Greetings to all you out there in podcast land. This is Adam Voigt, and you're listening to The Aristotle Project. The Aristotle Project works to bring back ancient wisdom for the modern world. We do have original thoughts and our own philosophy separate from Aristotle, but unless you understood Aristotle, you wouldn't understand anything we have to say that's original. So... We created this so that you could get, catch up with us someday. But along the way, Aristotle is quite a roller coaster ride. So buckle up and we're on our way. We now take a short break from the core books of the metaphysics and spend a few episodes on Empedocles, who lived about 200 years before Aristotle and whose work mixes elements from yoga, Big Bang cosmology, and evolutionary biology. After we learn about this curious philosophy, we shall then see how Aristotle used it and criticized it in his own work. Our discussions will span modern science, epic poetry, archaic mythology, and, of course, the science of first philosophy. Join us now for the next episode of the Aristotle Project. Okay, Ada, thanks for coming down again for another episode. And, uh, uh, so last time we dealt, we started out with uh, Empedocles, and he we went over his sort of magic and religion and you know yoga type stuff. And you remember what that was called? It's a weird Greek word, which can either mean forgiveness of sins or causing you to barf or sweat. Oh. <laughs> uh, purification. Yeah, purification. So, The Purifications was the name of a book. Okay, so, anyway. So, but, there's, in addition to purifications, he was also known as a physicist or a naturalist, right? And people liked him for both of these things. Some people liked him for his woo-woo stuff, you know, magic, and other people liked him for his science. And uh, that's an interesting thing that kept on being true for centuries and centuries. So today we're going to deal with the science. Okay, so the first thing to know about his science is what? Remember what he invented? It's like one of the biggest ideas in the history of science. No. It's the four elements. Yeah, he invented the idea of the four elements. So that was basically the foundation of what would eventually be known as chemistry from like 450 BC until, you know, around 1600. So that's 2,000 years. So how many people can claim that? <laughs> that's pretty amazing, right? So anyway... Of course, now we know that he was wrong, but... Still use that stuff in, like, magical 
shows and movies and stuff. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. It's a, it's a pseudoscience now, but I think that's true of all science. It eventually becomes a pseudoscience. Uh, well, actually, not all, but lots of science you know, becomes a pseudoscience eventually, if people just hold on to it. So anyway, uh, so here we go. Right now, we're going to read to get the four elements. So remember that we don't have an actual book by Empedocles. What we have are quotes from him. And what's interesting is these quotes, most of these quotes come from Aristotle's Metaphysics book Alpha, right? Which we covered like a while ago. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to read these parts verbatim again. So here we go. Empedocles posits the four principles, adding earth to the three already mentioned, that is, water, air, and fire. For these always remain and do not come to be, except by becoming more or less, as they congregate or segregate to form or dissolve a unity. So that's from the discussion of the material cause, or matter. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty neat. So everyone else before Empedocles, Empedocles had one fundamental element. And Empedocles was new because he thought there were multiple elements that were equally fundamental. So he was both right and wrong. You know, I don't know. Depends on how you want to, uh, like, call it. It's hard to say. Do you know how he was right and how he was wrong? What does that mean, that he was both right and wrong? He was right in one place and wrong in the other. But well, what was the From way that he... perspective, he would be wrong from his perspective, would he be right? I don't oh, no, it's, we're not talking about just perspectives. We're talking about compared to reality, or what we think of as reality nowadays. That's not perspective. Uh, well, you know, what I, I'm saying, I think that, you know, that there's not four elements, but rather there's 118 elements has been proven beyond the shadow of a doubt. Maybe we're going to discover others, too. Oh, yeah, there's going to be more. I mean, we'll probably make them actually, you know. But uh, or maybe it may be that we've gotten the biggest uh, atomic nuclei that can be made, at least stable ones. But uh, you know, the thing, what I mean is that we now think that there is one fundamental uh, particle, or we just kind of assume. Actually, I don't know if we've proven it. It seems that everybody just assumes that there has to be one fundamental. Right? And there are not two fundamental things. Unless by fundamental things you mean like matter and empty space. But if we're talking about just matter, I think everybody thinks that there's just one fundamental particle and that there's just one fundamental form of energy. You know, like the, the four forces of nature that we have today, everybody just assumes that there's only one. You know, but why they assume that is kind of a weird assumption. Well, like, for example, formerly, uh, electricity and magnetism were, were separate forces of nature, but then Maxwell unified them under a common set of equations and laws, and that paved the way for Einstein. So everybody kind of assumes that just as electricity and magnetism were unified, well then electromagnetism will also someday be unified with 
the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force, and gravity. So that's it. I, have you ever heard about that? The grand unified theory? Um, yeah, well, that's what uh, Stephen Hawking's movie is named after, The Theory of Everything. And he was looking for the theory of everything. And he popularized that idea that, well, that's what everybody's looking for. But the theory of everything, everybody back in the day who said that there was one kind of matter, they were looking for the theory of everything. And uh, so, in a sense, they were ahead of their time. But they were too far ahead. First, they had to look at what elements there were and then figure out what goes underneath those or what is the fundamental thing behind those four elements. Anyway, that's a little bit difficult to understand. But uh, anyway, I think that that's, uh, that's, it's good to see Empedocles as being part of this. So he wants to look at these four things and he says that they're completely separate and that they never ever really disappear you know not even in the Big Bang although there's some debate as to whether Empedocles's Big Bang makes the elements disappear or not we'll get to that later that'll be in the next episode and it'll be really weird okay so after Aristotle talks about him with the material causes he then looks into the efficient causes, and Empedocles is really is a major uh, figure in efficient causes too. So here we go. Here he is. He, that is Empedocles, makes the corporeal bodies four in number: fire, air, water, and earth, everlasting but changing in their multitude and fewness by congregation or segregation. While he makes the real principles, those by which these are moved, to be love and strife. For the elements must continually move back and forth, at one time being congregated by love, and at another time being segregated by strife, so that there are in fact six principles according to him. Indeed, in one place, he grants active power to love and strife when he says, quote, At one time moving together into one by strife, by, sorry, by love, and another time being born apart by the enmity of strife. That's a quote from enmity? him. Enmity means being an enemy or disliking something. So, okay, that's not the end of the quote, though. Aristotle goes on, but sometimes he uses these powers with the four as equals when he says, quote, at another time it grew apart to be many from one, fire, water, earth, and the lofty expanse of air, destructive strife apart from them, balanced in every direction, and love among them equal in height and width. Unquote. Furthermore, oh, no, this is me writing, sorry. So that is, he talks about love and strife in some cases he talks about them being as being something radically different from the four elements and in other cases he just lists them all as principles right like the six elements yes and that's why i have three ways of referring to them uh, when i say the four elements I, I mean earth air fire and water when i say the two forces or the twin forces that's love, love and, and strife. love and strife yes and then when I say the six principles, 
that means the four elements plus the twin forces. So that's how I say it. Okay. And then he says, uh, Empedocles seems to imply that these six principles, just by themselves, with nothing else, exhaustively explain everything that occurs. So here's where he seems to imply that. Quote, but come, let us gaze on this witness of previous words. If anything in the previous one was lacking in form, sun shining to sight and everywhere hot, and immortal things which are soaked in heat and blazing beam, and rain dark and chilling in everything, from earth flow out intertwined in solid things. When they are in strife, all these are different in form and separated, but they come together in love and are desired by one another. For out of these have sprung all things that were and are and shall be, trees and men and women, beasts and birds and the fishes that dwell in the waters, yea, and the gods that live long lives and are exalted in honor. For there are these alone, but running through one another they take different shapes. So much does mixture change them. Okay, so, you notice anything about that? That's an interesting thing. What is it that he says there? that jumps out at you. Why, like, how, so basically, like, they make everything, and then the mix of everything comes together, and that's what, like, creates a person, or like a yeah or anything? Yeah, and not just people, and not just living things, but even the gods. Oh, yes, the yeah. So the gods. Now there is an exception to this, uh, uh, but will the the exceptions are that the four elements and the twin forces are are referred to as gods, and these are the supreme gods. Are they like people? Well, uh, we'll get into that later. So there are some gods that rule over others, but. Uh, but most of the gods are composites of the four elements and the twin forces, just like as humans are. So that's an interesting thing. That's another one. The atomists were to go even further and say that all of the gods are composites of atoms, and they, they don't even pay attention to us. But for Empedocles, the gods are, most of the gods are composites, and they're with us everywhere. They're the elements and the twin forces. So they're always where we are, and they work in nature all the time. But we'll talk about that more later. It'll become very important later on. So that's how the four elements work. And uh, notice he says that the gods, sorry, I forgot to say this, he, he calls the gods long-lived. Dolikaiones. Dolik means long, and Iones means an age or an era or a time, right? That means a long-lived gods, as opposed to uh, immortal gods, which is like, uh, I forget what the uh, Greek word is, but it literally means not able to die. So that's a different word that he refers to the gods. So he thinks that most of the gods will die eventually, except for the f six principles. Aren't they like literally immortal, though? Well, not according to him. This is a radical difference. Does he mean like go to Tartarus, or does he mean like that they'll dissolve? Actually, completely 
that they'll dissolve, or that they can dissolve, yeah. and are subject to the same uh, process of death. Now, this is, in fact, what the Buddha said. The Buddha believed in many supernatural gods in many other worlds, but he thought that they were subject to death and reincarnation just like humans are, and that they must be reborn as humans in order to gain enlightenment, and that only humans can be enlightened. So that's so. I think that uh, Empedocles is, in many ways, kind of like the Buddha, and he's... He's very radical in many things he says. So, okay, so that's the four elements. So next, we're going to look at the other, the last of our four basic doctrines. Remember, we had karma, we had uh, sin and, and uh, reincarnation, and then we have the four elements. And our last physical doctrine is death is the dissolution of these elements. So we've already looked dissolution. at dissolution, which means the dissolve means to like split apart. Okay. Know, as opposed to solution. Okay. So Empedocles, here's another quote, and this is, I think, who is this? Oh, this is from Simplicius, who's a much later philosopher. And uh, uh, Empedocles says the kinds of flesh were generated from a blend of the four elements in equal measure. The sinews from fire and earth mixed with a double portion of water, the claws of animals from sinews which were cooled as they encountered air, and bones from the two parts of water in the equal number of earth, as well as four parts of fire which were combined within the earth. Sweat and tears come to be when blood is melted and dissolved to become thin. So that's pretty interesting. That's just kind of like, you know, what is it? Does that remind you of anything? You mean like the uh, world like coming like together at the start? Or it's yeah. together at the start and then like slowly it like gets more strifey until it's... All monsters. Well, we're talking about love increasing now. So, so we're, it's getting more. Yeah, when happy. when when say uh, when it's flesh is generated, that means four elements in equal measure. So you take one part fire, one part air, one part water, and one part earth, and mix them equally using love to make blood and flesh. So somehow both flesh and blood have equal amounts of water, which I don't get. I don't see how that can happen. Um, but anyway, we don't have any things about this. Yeah, I know. You'd think in any case, which is weird. And then bone, for some reason, has twice as much fire as water. Why are there like so much fire inside of our body? It, well, there's a lot of fire in bones. Well, he thought that Should white... Have had more earth? Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, anyway... Because white's like the hottest type of fire or something? Yeah, well, white is the color of the fire element, according to Empedocles. That's uh, that's one thing that is preserved. Wait, does that mean there's like a lot of fire in like paper or like fabric-like layers? Well, you know, paper wasn't very white back then, so... Well, uh, either it was very white. Yeah. Well, I don't he know. came into the future. That's, a, that's, a, that's not the biggest problem with Empedocles' uh, physics. 
there's many problems with it, but um, you, you you mentioned a few good ones. But um, so anyway, that's the genesis of living matter, right? Is you take separate elements. Now the opposite is death. And what is the opposite? Here, here's another quote. At another time, each being born apart by the enmity of strife, thus inasmuch as they are wont to grow into one from many. And in turn, with the one growing apart, they produce many. They are born, and they do not enjoy steadfast life. But inasmuch as they never cease continually alternating, they are ever immobile in the cycle. So what's interesting, it's interesting that he says they are ever immobile in the cycle. It's kind of like saying the only thing that stays the same is change. Yeah, And the only thing that, and this is one thing that Aristotle agrees with. The only thing that is eternal, with something eternal, needs to stay there in order to make change last forever. Because if there wasn't something eternal that could cause change, then change would stop. And it would just sit there forever. So anyway. Sounds like a fancy quote. The only thing that stays the same is change. Yeah, well, that's also an, a, a big thing in Buddhism, too. They always say the only thing that stays the same is change. That's one of Buddha's four noble truths. Uh, what's that called? I forget what it's called. Transitory. All beings are transitory. So anyway, that's an interesting thing. So, in any case, those are the four elements. But in addition to that, there are twin forces. So, in the twin forces, we have love and strife. So here we have some more. And this, this one is interesting. This quote is interesting because it comes from a recently discovered papyrus, which was found in Egypt. So about 700... A papyrus is a fruit, right? No, it's, it's like a, a reed that... It's like bulrushes. It's a, a genus of aquatic uh, plants oh, that live in yeah that lives in fresh water, and it's made used to make paper, or was back in the day, and before the Chinese invented paper. So, um, so there's a papyrus from about seven or eight hundred years after Empedocles, that was found in Egypt, a place called Panopolis by the Greeks, and. Uh, they found it there in the 50s, and it was identified as a work of Empedocles in the 90s. And so now we have a new source. So the next few quotes will be from that papyrus. So here we go. I shall tell a double tale. For at one time they grew apart to be one alone from many. And at another again they grew apart to be many from one. And there is a double coming to be of mortals and a double waning. While the other, as they grow apart, was nurtured and flew away, and while these things never cease from constantly alternating, at one time all coming together by love into one, and at another time all being born apart separately by the hostility of strife. Thus, insofar as they have learned to grow as one from many, and they finish up many as the one grows apart, in this respect, they come to be and have no constant life, 
but insofar as they never cease from constantly interchanging, in this respect, they are always unchanged in a cycle. So that overlaps with an earlier quote that we had. So that's pretty cool. Um, but the twin forces, the what? Which quote? Uh, the one where we say unchanged in a cycle. Uh, they are ever immobile in a cycle in this previous translation, but now in this respect, they are always unchanged in a cycle. So uh, that unchanged is akinetos, which means unchanging, but kinetos just means changing. So the only thing that's what it means. But it also includes new material, which is neat. So here we go. Here's the next one in that same um, fragment. Um, but come, hear my words, for learning will expand your thought organs. For as I said before, in revealing the limits of my words, I shall tell a double tale. For at one time they grew to be one alone from many, and another again they grew apart to be many from one. Fire and water and the boundless height of air, destructive strife apart from these, alike in every respect, and love among them equal in length and breadth. So this is, it seems, so in poetry, lots of poetry, you repeat things. So you see that it's such, it's a similar repetition to what came before, that last quote. And poetry often repeats formally. So uh, the same phrases over and over again, just like songs have verses or choruses in between verses, which are different. The chorus is the same. But one thing that he repeats over and over again is that strife and love and the four elements are equal or alike in every respect, equal in length and breadth, equal in rank or prerogatives, depending on how you translate it. So he thinks they're all equal. He goes, he goes into, uh, like, it's easy to see that the four elements are equal. Uh, and that makes sense. And he's emphasizing that to distinguish himself from who? Like Heraclitus, right? A lot of other people. Yeah, people who think one of the elements is the RK, which is outranks the others. So he says they're equal in every they're respect. Like a first one like an rk that's not one of the elements or is it like they're all the rk well like for heraclitus the other elements are all derived from fire yeah but like is there like proof that you could say like like so if all of like air water fire and earth mm -hmm. are all equal is there like one above them that's like well the you know i address this later on but i think the twin forces outrank the four elements because they tell the four elements what so to do. So those are like the RK? Well, they're two. And he says that they are equal. They're, that love and strife are equal too. So that's interesting. And if we like add, like if they're like the six somethings. Six principle. Then two of the six principles are higher than the Exactly, exactly. They're, they outrank it. And he seems to emphasize that they are equal in every respect. Um, although he's not like really that explicit, it is poetry, you know. And, but Aristotle seems to uh, criticize him for this. Aristotle thinks that if you have love and strife or any fundamental contrary, 
there must be one of them that's primary. If they're both equal, then um, what makes them equal? You know, he has really deep criticisms about this. So Aristotle would agree that one of the two has to be primary, and he would say it's love. Love always wins. Well, I mean, there's that aspect to it, but he has really deep reasons for it, thinking that love would be primary. And we'll go over that later. It has to do with substance, the fact that unity is the is like necessary to substance. And if substance is primary, then whatever causes unity must also be primary. And if love causes things to be unified, then love is primary. It's very logical and scientific. But Empedocles seems to imply that love and strife are equal. Yeah. Well, maybe so. Maybe so. And but but we'll deal with this later. This is actually a real big thing. I have a whole major well, we may have a whole episode just on this one issue. Okay. So, here we go. The next one. And you gaze on her love with your understanding and do not sit with stunned eyes. For she is deemed, even by mortals, to be inborn in their bodies. Literally, their joints. And by her they think loving thoughts and accomplish works of unity, calling her by the names Joy and Aphrodite. So this is a really cool quote from Empedocles. So I just alluded to the fact that love seems a lot like substance. Love is what creates unity in a thing and what makes it real, what keeps it from dissolving. So it is the substance of a creature if you want to. Like Empedocles never uses that word. He seems to not even really be aware that this is a major problem. Although he addresses it in many ways, including here. He says that love is born into the joints and the, the, the aspects of your body that are connected. It makes you, love makes you into a connected, unified thing. So it's there in you and you can't get away from it, right? Mm -hmm. And by her, they think loving thoughts and accomplish works of unity. So not only is your body held together, but your mind as well. And your whole life is held together by love. So that's a really profound thing to say. And that, it, that basically, I think, it foreshadows the entire work of Aristotle. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And I'm sure Aristotle was, uh, was inspired by that because he quoted a whole paragraph by Empedocles in the very last chapter of Book Alpha, where he talks about, well, we need something like substance. And Empedocles has something like substance when he has his ratios of elements that are in living creatures. He quotes that explicitly. And then, in the next few books of the Metaphysics, he focuses on the concept of substance. So, here we see that love is, in a sense, substance. So, and everything Empedocles says will be something like substance. So love is among things, that's line 20. Love is what makes each thing, makes each thing one, love, line 22. Love is what makes each thing do what it does, line 23. And here's another one. Her, that is love, no mortal man has perceived whirling among them the elements, 
But you hear the undeceptive expedition of my account. For these things are all equal and of like age in their birth. But each rules over a different prerogative, and each has its own character, and they dominate in turn as time circles round. And in addition to them, nothing comes to be nor ceases to be. For if they constantly perish, they would no longer be. And what would increase this totality, and whence would it come? And how would it also be destroyed, since nothing is bereft of them? But these very things are, each running through the other. They become different at different times and are always perpetually alike. So that is pretty, that's what we call reductionism, right? If you say that the material elements of the periodic table of elements and the forces of nature are everything. And there's nothing outside of them. And they can never be destroyed nor even really created. That's what many people think nowadays. It's very reductionistic. And these same people don't believe in karma or the soul or anything like that or gods. But Empedocles thinks, has both worldviews built into his philosophy. So I think it works. I don't think it's a contradiction. In the past, many people have thought that the magic and the religion and the science had to be you know, in contradiction, or maybe they were in two different books that he wrote for different audiences or at two different times of his life. But I'm pretty sure now, especially after the discovery of the, uh, the papyrus, the Strasbourg papyrus, as we'll call it, we're pretty sure that it was one book. That or he they're called Strasbourg. Because uh, after it was uh, taken from uh, the cave, wherever it was found in Egypt. It was kept for many years in Strasbourg as people went through it and tried to collate. It, they're just a bunch of fragments. I mean, it looks like a bunch of garbage. You know, uh, and it, it was probably not even clear that it had writing on it to, until they looked at it through special microscope. But uh, that's where it is kept still today. And it's known as the Strasbourg Papyrus. So, um, we, okay, we got a few more minutes, so let's read a few more. So, substance and elemental composition also go into living creatures in the sense of living forms. Here's another one. Here's another uh, quote. This is incomplete, though. And when I go blah, 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 that means there's a line that's missing. So. This is from the Strasbourg Papyrus, which is fragmentary. So here we go. Quote, this, i.e. fire, is in heavy-backed sea-dwelling shellfish, blah, 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 where you will see earth lying on the outermost part of the skin, blah, blah, strong-backed, blah, blah, and indeed of stone-shelled tritons and tortoises, blah, blah, of horned stags, blah, 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 saying blah, blah, right? So that is... Ensemble B from the papyrus, right? So there's four ensembles from the papyrus, all of which are thought to come from a single uh, uh, scroll that was kept by someone in Egypt 800 years after Empedocles wrote it, right? So this looks at another aspect of substance. So if we remember, we thought of substance as form. 
It's the form of a creature. Yeah. And then the form is how the elements are arranged. So he's talking about, well, you've got shellfish. If you read elsewhere, aquatic animals have a lot of water in their bodies. But, so they may have water inside, but some of them have earth outside. Right? Oh, but then there's also fire. So the shells are fire because they're white. But then you could have tough skin like a lobster. That would be earth. And uh, and then he talks about horned stags. So antlers are white. What about air? Uh, well, like uh, some fish have lungs, have buoyancy, right? They have air inside of them. So that's one thing. You know, and okay, I guess, so I guess, like every animal have all, like, four elements then? Yeah, every animal would have each of the four elements, mm -hmm. but they would have different percentages of them, as well as perhaps some parts that had more of one element than another. And this is what he's talking about. He's talking about there's a lot of creatures that have all four elements, but then one part, like the antlers or the shells, uh, like of shellfish and uh, clams and tortoises and antlers will have more in that part that's different. So he's talking about form in the context of matter. And I think this is one thing that is uh, inspiring Aristotle as well. So, but that's a short one. And so here's another one. There's also another concept, which I call a mid-level element, or what we would call an organ. So here it is, a quote. This is Ensemble C of the papyrus. This is very clear in the bulk of mortal limbs. At one time, we come together into one by love. All the limbs, that is, which have found a body in the peak of flourishing life. At another time again, being divided by evil quarrels, they, the limbs, wander, all of them separately about the breakers of life. So mid-level elements are things which are composed of more fundamental elements, but then that thing, that composition, goes into a higher level composition. And this is what organs are. So the, the word limbs here can also be translated organs. And remember we uh, read about how organs were also substantial? Yeah. Yeah, because they're composed, they, they have a unity of more primitive elements, but then they go into another unit, which is the complete organism. So he seems to, uh, uh, we'll talk more about this. He, Empedocles actually thought that at one time all of our organs were just flopping around on the ground and that they eventually had to find each other and work out you know, work out with each other and discover that, wow, this really works. Really Having a heart to hook up with lungs. Once we Wait, I thought these guys believed in evolution. But this is part of their evolutionary theory. And it's really weird. It's going to be so wacko. The next episode is going to be crazy. Yeah. But, okay. <laughs> but this, this, the key thing is that he, he also is inventing another uh, Aristotelian concept that there are substances within substances and that this is I call this mid-level elements so anyway and he also this is the first complex or 
very subtle concept of phylogeny, where you know living creatures are coming to be. That's what phylogeny. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically evolution. Okay, and in this same uh, papyrus, we have one last quote, which is original sin. And that's where we'll finish. Okay. So, it's in the same papyrus, which has a lot of natural science stuff. But, here we have Ensemble D, which is very long, and it deals with definitely, uh, you know, Catharmoi-type subjects. Quote, to fall and meet their fate separately from each other very willingly because of baneful necessity, rotting, and despite now having love and blah, blah, blah. The harpies will be present, blah, with lots to be cast for death. Woe is me that the pitiless day did not destroy me before I devised with my claws terrible deeds for the sake of food. In vain is this. In this I wet my cheeks very deep. I tinker. Despite willingness, pains will be present in the heart, but we shall set forth again, or later, upon our accounts. An untiring flame happened to me, bringing a mixture of such woe. Things able to be parents were born, and even now dawn gazes on their remains. I enter the final place with a cry and a shout, blah, blah, blah. It's just sounds like a story from like Shakespeare or something. Yeah, it is. Well, this is supposedly the original sin. And he's he says that in a past life he had it seems he had claws, or maybe it's figurative so language. Was it a monster or something? Well, something like that. So he thinks that he devised with his claws terrible deeds, which means he had claws and he killed some other animal for food. And as a result of that, he is banished away from the Blessed Ones. Like, as Wait, we... what about, like, I don't know, uh, lions? Yeah, lions were uh, are generally uh, looked down upon by uh, Empedocles. Although there is some question uh, about it. What about but other big cats? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the predators are generally looked down upon as being bad. What is it? And, and in Hinduism and Buddhism, they're also looked down upon. I remember our guru, uh, Swami Sachidananda, used to say that people who, uh, you know, eat meat and are aggressive and mean will be reincarnated as, you know, aggressive dogs or tigers or something, or lions. So that's a common thing. And they'll work out their karma in that form. I'd love to be reincarnated as a tiger. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? But anyway... <laughs> Uh, not according to Empedocles. Mm. So, and it's interesting, there's harpies here too. Harpies are interesting because they're a monster that, that I think uh, we'll talk about monsters a lot. In fact, there is an entire age of monsters in uh, Empedocles. But we'll talk about that the next time. So, what this means is that the fact that these four ensembles, one of which is about bad karma and reincarnation, are all in the same scroll found in Egypt. And it's our only pre-Socratic or early Greek philosophy text that we have that's not just part of someone's quotes, right? And it's all together shows that there is, to my satisfaction, that there is one complete philosophy that includes both magical and religious and scientific 
cosmological and biological ideas and opinions. So that's a lot. That's a lot uh, to go over in one episode. And in the next episode, we'll deal with the cosmic cycle. And in the cosmic cycle, these changes go over and over again. There's all these weird ages. And it's kind of like looking at that poster you have in your room of, you know, from the Precambrian to the, uh, the, you know, the Permian. And then you have the Mesozoic and the Cenozoic. All these ages. It's a lot like that. And, uh, but there's some debate as to how they're ordered. And uh, we'll go over that in the next episode. So, do you have any questions about today's? Today's. Yeah, so today's thing. question about how they're ordered. Um, well, there's no order in today's thing, really. It's not a cosmic cycle. But, but what do you mean how they're ordered? Like, how can it go from, like, I don't know, love, hate, love to hate, hate to love? Oh, yeah, it, it all goes in a cycle. But, like the di different stages along the cycle. And this is what tomorrow's uh, episode will be all about, is the stages in the cycle. Because no one really out. knows. No one really knows what they're, how they're ordered. Because it's all fragmentary. And it may be that Empedocles never really decided how they're ordered. Because if you look at the underlying... Oh, well, I actually, I'm skipping ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Ada, and uh, I think this was a good episode, and tomorrow's will be really crazy. It's going to be like fantasy literature or something.